Hello folks, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life. Our program is supported by your gifts, but it's brought to you out of the heart of two ministries. One is the Ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism, where I've been the executive director for over 30 years. We're a disciple-making ministry among the nations. To learn more about us, go to cpeonline.org or traincpe.org. The other sponsoring ministry is the Bread of Life Fellowship, where I am the Bible teacher. We meet in the Old White Church in the Warm Springs area of Boise for worship every Sunday at 11 a.m. Please, when you're able, feel free to come and worship with us. Today we continue a consideration of 1 Kings chapter 21 and what God is doing in the silent years of service. Most of what we do in faithfully serving Jesus will happen quietly as the unspectacular rhythms of faithfulness. As we serve God in that way, we should ask ourselves, what should we expect God to be doing? And the first thing that we see here is that righteousness is taking root as the result of that faithful service. The person that we're going to look at as an example of that righteousness taking root is the person of Naboth. We don't know for sure if Naboth was one of the individuals on Mount Carmel at that time, but it seems a reasonable thing to surmise. He lives and his vineyard is in that same place and it's in the valley of Jezreel and it's just under the Mount Carmel and it makes sense that we would anticipate that he would be one of those individuals that's there on the mount at that time and he's one of those individuals that with the multitude as the fire fell upon that sacrifice began to cry out, the Lord he is God, the Lord he is God. We don't know for sure, but let's assume for a moment that prior to that point in time, Naboth was one of these individuals who was jumping from perch to perch, seeking benefits and flavors and superstitious rites from the Baalim, and then coming to God periodically when he wants to be under the shadow of the God of Israel, but going back and forth. And at this moment now, Naboth has repented of his sin, and he's cried out, and he's put his faith in the Lord God of Israel, and he's ready to learn and receive his instruction. As a result of that, and having been taught by that word, Naboth begins to understand something. Naboth begins to understand that a part of this covenant-making God's relationship with the people of Israel is that God has demonstrated His covenant with them through land that they live upon. That the very land that they live upon is a demonstration of something that God owns and that God has given to them, and that that land, in a sense, embodies God's faithfulness to them and God's provision for them, and this is presented in the law. When Moses told the people they were going to go in the land, he talked about how the land was to be apportioned, and Moses commanded that that land was to remain in the family that it was apportioned to in perpetuity. It was to be theirs. They could experience difficulty and challenges, and they might need to, at some point in time, in a sense, lease that land out, or actually it's like they could pawn that land in order that they could get by and make it because they came on hard times, but there always had to be a provision for them to go back to the person they pawned it to and redeem it back unto themselves or have a family member redeem it back unto themselves. And if they couldn't and they couldn't find the person to redeem it, God basically put a time limit on how long that person they pawned it to could hold it. And in the year of Jubilee, it had to be given back to them anyhow because the land belonged to God and God had given it under stewardship to different families and different individuals to show that they had a unique relationship with him and covenant relationship. And Naboth began to understand that. Maybe Naboth was taught what it says in Leviticus chapter 25, 23. Here it is repeated for us, what I've just shared with you. 
God says, the land shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine. For you are strangers and sojourners with me. I'm just giving it to you. I'm loaning it to you. You have it as a stewardship. So this was the command. Naboth, understanding the teaching of Scripture, began to develop in him a true value for the land that he possessed. It spoke of God's covenant with his family and with him. It spoke of God's promise to them. It was a reminder that God owned the land and not him, that he was a steward of God's provision. It was a reminder that he lived under a blessing from God that had been passed down from generation to generation because of God's faithfulness to them. And he grew to hold a greater value for what God had provided to him through his family's generations as a result. Ahab comes and offers him a trade. You give me your vineyard, I'll give you a handsome sum of money if that's what you want, or I'll give you a better piece of land. And Naboth, coming to this great understanding from God's word and scripture, says, God forbid it, the Lord forbid it, that I give the inheritance that God has given to my family to you. What Naboth illustrates is the growth of righteousness that takes place in our lives. Those growing in righteousness awaken to the details of right and wrong, of good and better and best. They're individuals who begin to have formed in them by the work of God's influence on their life and the instruction of God's word, a whole new revamped value system. They begin to appreciate those things that are of God and that are given to them by God. And the baubles and the bubbles of life that they once chased after are no longer appealing or impressive to them. Those things that reflect what God places into their lives, those things that they see as something God has given them as a stewardship become the things that they value and want to hold on to. Those things that remind them that they are gifts from Him and are to be used for His glory are the things that become exalted in their lives and all those other things, the periphery things that they chased after, that they thought would please them and satisfy them and allow them to advance in life become increasingly meaningless to them and such is the advance of righteousness in the life of a person who's growing instruction in the righteousness of God. You'll recall that Israel had traded out the God of Israel for the local Baals of the region. If I'm right and Naboth was one of these Baal worshippers prior to the time of Mount Carmel then in the past Naboth had been ready to make this exchange as well. He would exchange the Lord God of Israel for the short-term offerings of the regional god Baal. He would exchange the religious rituals that God had given to Israel for the practices of the worship of the Baalim. He would have exchanged the pure worship and the pure sacrifices to the holy God for the prostitutes and the priests that served the Asherah and the Baalim. But then on Mount Carmel, he repented and he turned back to God and he will no longer exchange a piece of land for a better piece of land because he knows that God has given it to him. It's from God's own hand, and God has to be glorified in his life. I'll just have you note this, that a, a life of righteousness is lived when we turn back from the worldly barter system where we traded away our lives for some appetite we thought would satisfy us, for some beautiful thing that we thought would intrigue us, for some reputation that we sought to gain and we give up piecemeal selling ourselves out for a lust here or a point of attraction there or a bit of recognition and honor over here. The righteous life walks away from the market and increasingly refuses to trade themselves for the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes 
and the pride of life, for the pursuit of the desires of comfort and pleasure and power. Life is full of exchanges. And the way that people live their lives and live their lives in sin is they engage themselves. And in a sense, when we are born and when we come to this world, God has invested us with the capital of being made in his image. And there's a certain level in which we have this potential to live for him and honor him. But what happens as we grow is we begin to sell away and begin to devalue what it is God has given us. And we make little exchanges. We are like the child that trades out the quarter for two shiny nickels, but it's worse. We trade out the good for the worst. We trade out the good for the evil, thinking somehow that it will benefit our lives. And so we'll exchange our dignity for a moment of vanity. We'll exchange our tenderness for a moment of titillation. We'll exchange our honor for a white lie and a point of pride or acceptance or approval for somebody else. We'll cheapen ourselves in this way. Or we'll exchange the peace that God has given us and the relationship we can have with God for just a moment of leisure and pleasure and self-indulgence. We'll trade out our good conscience for some thoughtless entertainment. And all along the way, we're spending ourselves out and we're devaluing our lives and we're devaluing the lives of those around us. And that's the pathway of unrighteousness and that's the pathway of sin. But when you turn to God, your sensitivities are awakened to this petty exchange that's been going on and depleting your life and temptation and sin. And you stop selling yourselves out with bite-sized pieces and some with whole chunks to the world of flesh and the devil. And that's what Naboth has done. Righteousness is being revealed in his life. He's no longer willing to exchange himself and exchange God for moments of pleasure and for some satisfaction and some gain in the world. And it's taking root in his life. And he's not going to trade his vineyard to Ahab, even if it profits and benefits him. That's the way and that's the pathway of righteousness when it takes root in your life. Here's the second thing you'll note here. Even as righteousness is taking root and the life of Naphtali. And by the way, we don't know if Elijah's aware of this. We don't know if Elijah's aware of the impact that he's making in the life of Naboth. We don't know if Elijah's aware of the people's lives who are being changed in this way. It happens silently and quietly and in these little exchanges of relationship that take place, for example, between Naboth and between Ahab. We don't know these things. God can be using you and God can use you in your faithful service to impact people's lives and you'll, you'll never know it. You'll never know the impact you've had in their lives. But you might see this part of it. This becomes a little more obvious. It's easier to see. That even as righteousness is taking root, sin is growing up all around as well. In 1 Kings chapter 20, God has given Ahab this tremendous victory over his enemies. Ahab has received a grace from God where God is trying to reveal himself to him and prove himself to him. And Ahab has received this grace of God in a proud and self-pleasing heart. The goodness of God that was intended to lead him to repentance, to turn back to God, only serves because it's not received by a person willing to humble themselves before God. It's received in a way that's abused and taken advantage of. The grace of God, the gifts of God are abused by Ahab. They began to make Ahab feel as though he had some divine sanction over his life, as if he were deserving and that it was a right and it was a proof that he was in a right place and it was just right for him to continue to live the way he was living. And so Ahab wants Naboth's vineyard because, well, it's a nice little place for him to have a garden outside the wall of his house. And God's been so good to him anyhow. And in his victory over the kings of Syria, the king of Syria, why not give himself an extra reward? Look what God has already done for me. So he takes the grace of God and the mercy of God in his life and he contorts it and he twists it 
and he abuses it. And Just a warning to you, by the way. God is being good to you. God is blessing you. Don't let it cause you to raise your head and think, you know, look at my life. Don't say I'm doing anything wrong. Look at all the good things God is doing around me. The right response to the grace and goodness of God is deep, profound humility. God, I don't deserve this. God, you're so merciful still. God, be glorified. God, be praised. Let me yield my life to you and be surrendered to you in all that I do and obedience and give to you all that you ask of me. That's not what happens here to Ahab. He feels entitled as a result of these things and he feels entitled to Naboth's vineyard. And when he doesn't get it, he sulks. He's filled with coveting. He's filled with jealousy. He's feeling sorry for himself and his wife Jezebel comes along and says, we'll work out a situation here. We'll take advantage of all the other individuals who are kind of also experiencing God's grace in this moment as a result of the repentance that took place on Mount Carmel, but their hearts have not changed, and they're just as corrupt as before, and now they're mantling themselves in God's name, but they're still living in the old flesh, and I'll get some of these all to work with me, and we'll set up a trap, and we'll bring Naboth down, and you'll get your vineyard. And that's exactly what takes place. Naboth is betrayed. Naboth is accused of the very thing that he's actually not guilty of. Blasphemy. He's the one who's honoring God in a pure heart. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.